Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. The easiest way to connect with us from right where you are is by downloading our free Real Life Community app from your app store. You can also find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. here for this series because we just get to shout out the name of Jesus. And uh, this is uh, what we're doing right here in this, in this journey towards Easter this year, is just sharing about the life of Jesus. And it's the best story that's ever been told. Uh, and so it's a wonderful opportunity for us to, to just get a chance together to sing the name of Jesus, our redemption. And by the way, I'm a little distracted as I'm getting started here because Chick and Sally are here. Uh, so can we just say hi to Chick and Sally? They have moved away to South Carolina this past year and uh, are members here at Real Life. We love you guys. It's just good to see your faces. Uh, so glad to have you here. And you can move back anytime uh, that you want. All right. So uh, last week we started this, um, this uh, two-part ser- uh, sermon little deal on Jesus' sermon in his hometown of Nazareth. So we're in Luke chapter 4, and the whole story is verses 16 through 30, but we just did about five or six verses last week. We just talked about Jesus and his mic drop moment at the end of his sermon, uh, kind of this short bang fireworks kind of sermon where he claims essentially to be the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, reads this passage from Isaiah uh, about how this Messiah Messiah was going to come and bring God's favor to Israel and restore and redeem them. And Jesus is like, yeah, all of that's coming true in me. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Kind of mic drop, uh, walk out, everybody's jaws hit the floor. They're amazed at what Jesus is saying. Now, uh, before we get to the second part of the message, I want to throw a little question out for us today. And this question, I just like it to rattle around in your mind as we uh, move into the congregation's response to Jesus' sermon about the favor of God uh, coming in him, him bringing the favor of God. And here's the question. Why is it so hard for us to celebrate good things happening to other people? This is a question. And you know, like the Patriots are in the Super Bowl, for example, you know, like, why is it so hard for me to be happy for them? You know, like, or maybe you grew up in a house where, where if any time something good happened to one of the children, the other children complained about that. You know what I'm talking about here? Or maybe you were a kid and that, that was you, you know, like when your sibling had a birthday and they got presents and you didn't, like it was a, it was a big problem or something. Uh, So here's the question. Why is it so hard? for us to celebrate when good things happen to other people. And maybe here's, here's a follow-up, like a kicker to it. Why is it especially difficult for us to celebrate when good things happen to other people who happen to be outside of our camp? Why is that hard for us? Why is that hard? So Jesus uh, preaches the sermon. And his sermon, again, just recap of last week, was like, 
three verses from the prophet Isaiah that summed up all of the good things that God was going to do for Israel, and uh, also how that, that passage in particular also talked about how God would bring vengeance on the enemies. Jesus conveniently left out that part uh, when he's reading, and, and he just talked about bringing the favor of God, announcing God's favor to the people, and, and all spoke well of him. It says in Luke chapter 4, verse 22, after this sermon, at first everybody's amazed, and uh, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth, which I think is just a wonderful way to say that, right? Uh, They all marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. Jesus is getting pats on the back and handshakes left and right. You can imagine him standing at the door of the synagogue, have a great week, and they're like, Jesus, wonderful sermon today. You know, like, I've never heard anything like it. They're, they're amazed that he's getting the favor uh, of all the people. They're bringing it to him. He was supposed to be the one bringing it and announcing, but they're like, Jesus, wonderful sermon. And that's where we left off last week. Now, most preachers that I know would like call it a day at this point, you know, like you're shaking people's hands. Everybody's like that. You brought it this morning. You brought the word of God, like man, lift it up, lift it up the name of God. It was wonderful. And and like most preachers would be like, I'm getting the car and leaving. Like, let's just wrap it up uh, and call it a day. And yet Jesus overhears maybe some mumbling, some murmuring among one another, uh, you know, some people in in the foyer and they're like, wait a minute, isn't this Joseph's son? Uh, He hears this now. You could take that phrase in a whole bunch of different ways, right? You could take it as like, uh, didn't we see this kid grow up? How did he become such a great preacher? Where did he learn that? You know, like he, he learned under the Joseph, who's a carpenter, like that was his trade, right? Like where did he learn to, to sling the word of God like this, you know? Like, uh, so you could take it that way. You could also maybe take it like, isn't this Joseph's son? Like, and that's in another gospel, maybe uh, the way that it's, it, it kind of sounds is like, we're pretty sure that you can't be the Messiah because we changed your diapers in the nursery. You know, like that kind of thing, you know? Like, so it could be something like that. But I have this suspicion that in Luke's gospel here, what we're supposed to recognize is, isn't this Joseph's son means he's one of ours. So, if the favor of God's coming, it's coming to us first, <laughs> right? Like, it's like all those people who sign like the, the major professional sports contract and then all the family members come out of the woodwork and they're like, you're my second or 14th cousin, you know? Like, shouldn't we be best friends now? Like that kind of thing is going on. Isn't this Joseph's son? We got an inside track to the favor of God here. How cool is that? And they're start like, they're talking to one another. They're like, who do you think's gonna get it first, you know? And Jesus overhears this. And here's why I think that that this is what we're supposed to understand from that phrase is because here's what Jesus says in response. In verse 23 and 24, he said to them, doubtless you will quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Which is not a proverb that we have today, but it was, it was in all sorts of writings, Greek writings and Jewish writings of the day. So like this was a common phrase, physician, heal yourself. What we've heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. And then Jesus launches into a couple of quick stories. 
And if you don't know your Hebrew scriptures real well, these things can just fly right over the top of your head. But for these folks who were in the synagogue, regularly worshiping, regularly hearing the word of God, they knew the stories. Just one or two sentences from these stories would have set off fireworks. They knew what these stories were about. Uh, And so Jesus tells these two different stories about a couple of Israel's most famous prophets. One is about the prophet Elijah, and the other is about his like understudy who ended up uh, coming after him, Elisha, right? So you've got these two prophets, and the first story that Jesus says is, remember you guys back in the day, in Elijah's day, when when Israel had that three-and-a-half-year drought? Do you remember that? And everybody was thirsty all the time and we couldn't grow any crops and everybody in the land was hungry and we, we did, couldn't bake even our own bread like the oil had run out and everything. It was bad in our, in our land. Do you remember among God's people, it was bad. And in, in the days of Elijah, there were lots of Israelite widows even who were hungry. And yet, do you know who the favor of God went to in those days. God sent Elijah to a Gentile from the land of Sidon and gave her the oil, gave her the bread, met her needs outside of the camp. Now, they're all like sitting there. You can imagine some hands going into pockets right now. Like, I don't know what we should say. We were really impressed by you just a minute ago. And now you're talking about this favor that's going leaking outside of our camp. And we don't know what to do with that. And, and then Jesus follows up on the heels of that. And he says, oh, yeah. And there was this other time, Elisha. You remember Elisha? Uh, came right after Elijah. Well, there were plenty of lepers in Israel during Elisha's day. The people dealing with skin diseases and, you know, know, working through that kind of health issue there. And there were plenty of those in God's camp in Israel in that day. But none of them were healed. Instead, God sent Elisha to Naaman, a Syrian officer in the Syrian army, your enemy. And he healed him. That's what Jesus says in response to the people saying, isn't this Joseph's son? We got an inside track here, right? Like it's going to be the favor for us. Jesus says, oh yeah, the favor, you remember in the old days, it went to the Gentile woman and the Syrian officer. And at first, the Gentile woman is bad enough, but you can make a case if you're sitting there and you're the people of God and you've just heard about the favor of God and release from captives and sight to blind and all these things. You can say, well, that's a widow. She had a boy and like, you know, so we can make a case. God is compassionate and slow to anger and merciful and all these things. Yes, that makes sense. Man, the Syrian officer. Oh, it's like Tom Brady over here, you know, like uh, uh, the Syrian, that's the enemy, the enemy, God's mercy, healing favor of God goes out to the sworn enemy and heals him, heals him. The Gentile widow was enough, but the Syrian officer, that's over the top. It's too much. And so in verse 28, they do a total about face just from the, in the foyer of the synagogue. They, they've gone from wanting to put Jesus on a throne and, you know, parade him through town to parading him out of town. Uh, it says in verse 28, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. Man, that went quick, didn't it? 
They're filled with wrath. And, and the rest of the story goes, they take him out and they drive him out. You can imagine this angry mob driving Jesus out to the edge of town where there was a cliff. And they literally tried to throw him off a cliff, which is the name of this sermon title, which is my favorite sermon title ever. They tried to throw him off a cliff. Uh, and, and so they tried to throw him off a cliff there. If you have ever like spoken, like given, taken a speech class or something, uh, I guarantee that yours didn't go that bad. So take, take solace if you ever had to give a sermon or a Bible study or whatever. Uh, if you've never been thrown off a cliff or tried to throw off a cliff, you're doing better than Jesus, apparently. So, uh, thankfully, Jesus leaks out through the crowd and escapes and, and goes on about his way and, and goes on in ministry. But they try and throw him off a cliff here. And what made them so angry was the fact that they expected the Messiah to come and destroy Israel's enemies, not minister to them. What was he talking about here? They've read the Isaiah passage that talked about the vengeance of God, which Jesus conveniently left off, you know, at the end of verse three there uh, in, in Isaiah 61. And then, uh, and, and now he's talking about not just leaving that part off, but actually the favor of God going and visiting the enemies outside of the camp. This is just fear infuriating for them. They, they held these two key beliefs about what the Messiah would do. The Messiah would come and redeem and restore, but also would pour out God's vengeance and wrath on their enemies. And so this is a problem. This is a problem for them. Now, I realize that there's a lot going on here in this passage, but here's the thing that really stands out to me. This group can't handle the news that God's healing and restoration was going to be for people outside of their camp as well. Even and maybe even especially for their enemies. Which reminded me of another story in the Old Testament. This guy named Jonah. Do you remember Jonah? Some of you familiar with Jonah's story? Uh, so Jonah was this, this other prophet, one of the, the minor prophets there in, in the Old Testament. And, and he, uh, not because he was insignificant, because his, his book was shorter, right? So, uh, so Jonah, he gets called by God to go and bring the word of God to the Ninevites, which were, again, Israel had a lot of enemies, the sworn enemies of the Israelites. And, and uh, Jonah did not want to go. And it wasn't because he just like didn't want to be obedient to God. We find out later it's because he knew that if he went to the Ninevites, he knew what kind of character God had and God would be merciful to them. And he didn't want to have any of that. And we don't find that out until later. But the story goes, Jonah's like, no, I'm not going to the Ninevites. I'm not going to have that. And so he jumps on the wrong boat and goes in the wrong direction. And then the storms come up and he gets, he's like, throw me overboard, you know. And, and, and he goes into the belly of the fish for a few days and comes out through the vomit of the fish. On the, it's disgusting. And onto the, onto the beach. And then, and then he goes the right way, goes to Nineveh, preaches the message to these Ninevites who are doing all sorts of terrible things. And unfortunately for him, the message is God's going to give you another chance if you clean yourself up. If you'll repent and turn from your ways, then God will have mercy on you. And he has to, like, through clenched teeth, give this to the king, you know. And, and sure enough, the, the nation is, like, overwhelmed. And they're like, absolutely Oh, this is, what a great thing that you've told us. We didn't have any idea. And so they, they turn to God and they stop doing the things that, uh, that have, have been so disgusting, you know, and, and, and bad for God. And, and, and they turn to God and God has mercy on them. And in the last chapter of the book of Jonah, we find Jonah like going to the outskirts of town and sitting down 
And just like weeping there. And he's angry and he's got skins just crawling because God saved his enemies and he's been the central part of that story. And now he knows this is gonna get written down and put in a book somewhere. And my name's gonna be about the salvation of my enemies for all of time. And here we are talking about it, right? And Jonah chapter four says, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was angry. Now imagine this, Jonah has just like preached the most successful prophetic message ever. The whole nation of Nineveh turned, you know. He should be happy right now, but he's, he's exceedingly angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, isn't this what I said when I was still in my country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me for it is better for me to die than to live. Wow. (laughs) I mean, if you could ever put a point on that question, why is it so hard to celebrate when the favor of God goes to somebody outside of the camp? There it is. I love God's response to Jonah. It's something like, why are you so troubled? <laughs> like, I'm having trouble here uh, with why you're so angry. Joe's like, ah, just, just kill me now. I can't handle it anymore. But, but it brings us back to this question. Why is it, guys? Why is it so hard for us in a, in a polarized world, polarized culture maybe? Why is it so hard for us to get entrenched into our tribe, into our camp, into our Uh, you know, entrenchments and say, as long as everything happens good in here, I'm good. But man, the minute something happens good to somebody outside of the boundaries, I don't even know what to do with that. I just want to die when that happens, you know. It happened to Jonah. It happens in Nazareth with the whole crowd. And, And the truth is, it still happens today, doesn't it? Shake your head if you know what I'm talking about. It's one of the more common fallen habits that we can get stuck in as human beings. This desire to have all of the benefits and all of the blessings and all of the favor poured out on my group and my camp. So easy to fall into this old tribal mentality around uh, whatever. I mean, we our fallen tendency is to just create these kinds of groups everywhere, you know. So we do this around our culture or our nation or our genders or our political parties or our NFL teams. Here I am talking about that this morning. Or our school systems or our religions. Our skin colors, our churches. We, we used to do this thing when I was growing up where we just kind of from, from the stage a lot of times, we joke about like the Baptist church across the street and it was all in good fun, but there was something underneath it, you know? And it was ridiculous. And we do this even in our churches. Maybe sometimes we're the best at our churches. Like if my church can grow and be wonderful and successful and, and, and lift it up in everybody else's eyes, then that's great. And, you know, but if that happens to somebody else, then ah, we're not so sure about that. Man, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. The favor of God is deep and wide enough for everybody. Come on. Come on. If there's a group that exists and we're in it, then... We tend to want the benefits, and if we can take them from our enemies in the process, then that seems to be icing on the cake sometimes. But, but, 
In Jesus, we find that the year of the Lord's favor is here for everyone. It's here for everybody. So much of Luke's gospel, which we're going to be journeying mostly through Luke here on our way to Easter, so much of Luke's gospel is about this very thing, that Jesus came on a mission to find the one that had wandered off from the 99. And so Jesus' passion and his energy and his heart is somewhere outside the camp already. I mean, he's way outside of the camp of heaven, right? And so he's out there and he's beating a trail to people who have wandered off and gotten a long way from home and landed in pigsties and, you know, like the, those kinds of places. And, and he's, he's beaten a path to bring the favor of God out into those places. We already enjoy it here. He came for those on the outside. Luke wants to tell us this over and over and over again with story after story. And so it makes sense right up here up front, Jesus' first sermon that Luke's like, let's not miss this, that this is what Jesus was about. Almost got him thrown off a cliff here at the beginning. But he doesn't deviate from this path. And so this morning, I want want to share with you, if you are here today and you're like, you know, I kind of feel like one of those outsiders, Somebody dragged me to church this morning or like we haven't been in church for a long time and, and don't, you know, I don't know if I would say that we've got an active relationship with God or whatever, but, but for whatever reason, like there's a part of me that kind of feels like I, I'm out of place when I come into the camp. This story says that you are never out of place with Jesus. He came to bring the favor of God to you, to you, even if he had to leave this group to do it. And so if that's you this morning, I just would love for you to just like, if you would, I know this is make, make you vulnerable, but be vulnerable to God. Open your heart up to God. He has come to bring favor. Now, I recognize that that's not the only crowd I'm talking to. A lot of you guys have been walking with God for a long time. And so, at one time, you were outside of the camp, but God brought you in, right? And so, some of us have been walking with God now for decades, you know? And it's hard to remember that Jesus came to get us when we were outside the camp. But, for you today, who are already inside the camp, recognize this morning that a huge part of our role as people who are already like embraced in the embrace of God and have given our lives to God, that our job is not to hang on to that embrace, but to follow Jesus out of the camp. To go and help to find those who are lost, to help bring the favor of God outside of the camp. And here's one of the best things that you can ever do as a Christian, celebrate your pants off when the favor of God, maybe not all the way, like whatever. Uh, I didn't write that down. Sorry, it came out wrong. But celebrate yourself silly when the favor of God goes somewhere else. There you go. You can celebrate. Keep your pants on, but you know. Um, yeah. This, this is where the church 
does its best character reflection of the character of God because Jesus tells us this is who God is. So anytime we celebrate when blessings are being poured out on our enemies even, where the goodness of God comes to visit them, grabs their heart, turns them around, this is beauty in the world. Beautiful. Let's celebrate that. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, uh, you know that our heart is for your favor to spread all over the world. That there wouldn't be one single dark place, one single corner, one single person that falls outside of your loving embrace. And God, we recognize that Jesus came on a mission And so our hearts are for Jesus, and so we want to be on that same mission. So God, would you send us out from this place today looking for ways to build bridges, relationships, favor connections with people who wouldn't consider themselves to be a part of the the church camp? Would you help us to celebrate when good things happen, regardless of what boundary lines there are? And to be able to point out your favor when it comes and celebrate that. And God, for those of us today here who maybe have felt like outside the camp somehow, I pray that you'd pull them in. That you'd lift up their hearts to you. That you'd call them your children. That you'd let your favor shine on them, that you bless their socks off this week, that, that just good thing after good thing after good thing would happen in their life and that they would recognize that all of this favor is you smiling on them. Help us to be people who don't know what it is to have a camp. The whole world belongs to you. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen.